Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Well, good morning, church. If you're visiting Christ Church this morning, my name is Mark. I have the privilege of being one of the ministers here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, we are continuing this morning uh, in our final week of Vision Sunday. Last week, if you were here with us, we talked about what is the church to be about. And looking at Acts chapter 2, we came to this conclusion, that the early church, led by the Holy Spirit, had some components or characteristics to it that God desires even today. The church was a learning and responding church, a a relationally loving church, a worshipful, committed church, inviting and inspiring people. That there was something that God did in them that was unique to them, but it became something that changed the world. And by looking at that, we wanted to say that the same thing that the Holy Spirit did in the early church, he wants to do in our church or this church. So the first question we asked was, what is the church to be about? Today I want to ask and answer the question, how are we going about doing those things? What are you and I engaged in that might allow this to happen? You see, when we look at what God wants to do with the church, it's very much, and if you'll pardon the sports uh, analogy, it's very much what a coach does when he assesses the gift or the, uh, yeah, the gifting and talents of his players or her players. You look at the team and say, we're going to be really good in this area because of our talent, but we're not going to be really great in this area, so we're going to have to work really hard to game plan to protect ourselves in this. Musicians do it in bands. You have to find someone who can work together, not just good instrumentalists, but those that can come together and work together. And in choirs, the same thing. You can have great solo voices, but if they can't blend together and sing well together, there's really no harmony and there's no timing. Well, Paul even talked to us in Ephesians about this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, if you look at the testimony of the early church, allow me to sum it up the way that I've come up with. And here it is. Every Christian believed they were called to do their part, and every person mattered. That's the testimony of the early church. That's how they lived out what the Holy Spirit was calling them to do. That they believed that they were all called to play their role, and that every person's role mattered. Whether it was public or not public. Whether it was powerful or just momentary. That if everyone did what they were asked to do, and choreographed all together by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the church would be alive and the church would do the work it was called to do. Now, it's going to sound like I may be getting on you this morning, and that's not my intention, but I'd like to take that metaphor that I used earlier and I'd like to apply it over. I'd like you to look at your game and see what the hole is. I'd like you to look at your talents and gifting and say, in what areas am I really doing well in my spiritual walk and in what areas is there a hole in my game? Because at the conclusion of today, it may appear to some to be an infomercial, but what I actually want to do is show you the methods and the opportunities you have to make yourself more well-rounded in following Christ. But we're busy. Oh my, are we busy. And I don't say that to make fun of you. The truth is we're busy. 
every day puts responsibilities on us that we didn't think about. Remember when you were a kid and you wanted to grow up? Wow, would we change that? Some of us just refused to grow up, I know. But for the most part, we thought, man, I can't wait to this. I remember being so foolish as a kid. I'd watch my dad shave in the morning and think, I can't wait till I could shave. Now, that's one of the worst things I have to do every morning is spend time shaving my face going, what a waste of time. This growing up's hard. Think about your life. We go to work or we go to school. We have responsibilities every week. We have responsibilities on the weekends. We want to spend time with family. We want to spend time with friends, but we don't have time to do either one of those very well. We have things to do and meals to purchase and to to create. We have errands to run, boxes to check. We have money to make and bills to pay. We have responsibility to take care of. We have lawns to cut. We have weeds to pull. We have bushes that need trimmed back. We have windows that need washed and filters on our furnaces that need changed. We have people that we have to care for. We have mouths to feed, diapers to change. I'm exhausted. How about you? Some of these things are more enjoyable than others and some not at all. But let's be very clear. The reason we're busy is choices we've made. And the freedom you're looking for will only come from choices you make. It won't happen by accident. I know when I bought a house, I had no idea there were furnace filters. I thought light bulbs never blew out. My dad didn't tell me that. I didn't realize that you had to cut the grass a lot and pull weeds all the time and trim back trees. I didn't realize any of those things were coming. But when they came upon me, it was overwhelming. Some of us are flat out overwhelmed. We're so busy. You have so many things going on. But remember, the choices that put you into this bondage can also be made to free you from them. And so today I want you to know, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in living our lives that we actually forget how life is supposed to be lived and for what reason. So I'm calling you today to analyze yourself. Don't be offended today, but listen to what Paul challenges us to do in our text And understand that analyzing yourself in worship and remembering who you are and what your soul desires to be will happen when you make the choices that you need to make. So I'd like to ask you a very fundamental question. This will be the most offensive question I ask you today, so let's get it over with. Are you a follower of Jesus? I did not ask you if you were saved. And I did not ask you if you were a Christian. Because unfortunately, the word Christian has been stripped of its strength in our culture. Everyone, according to the research, is either a Christian or not. But there's not evidence of those who proclaim to be Christians actually being followers of Jesus. So I want to ask you the question that Jesus asked you when he said, or when he said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Are we followers of Jesus? Are we the ones that say, where he leads, I'll go. What he's called me to do, I'll become. Where he's asked me to invest, I will invest. I know this is harsh, but let's just say it. If you're waiting for Jesus to return from his place with God right now to establish his kingdom here, if you're waiting for that moment, you've waited too long. If you wait until he arrives to start following him, I'm afraid it's too late. The implications of that, I'm not going to get into this morning. But the challenge is, are we followers of Jesus? Because this general statement I want to put before you today. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been saved for a purpose. The enjoyment of God in the spread of the gospel from where you are to the ends of the earth. The work of God is not a burden. It's our joy. To enjoy God is to take the gospel and the truth of God through Jesus Christ and share it with those who have need. 
This is our mission. This is our purpose. And Paul gives us a demonstration of what it looks like when we get our purpose figured out. When we look and say, I want to be this kind of woman. I want to be this kind of man. I want to be a follower of Jesus. You're going to have to make choices differently than the choices you've made. You're going to have to say no to some things and yes to others. And the vision of the kingdom will cost you something. If the kingdom of heaven is not costing you anything right now, then you must question whether or not you're a part of that work. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 27 will be our text this morning. Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I will make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Now, these next few sentences are very lawyer-esque. They're very complicated. But let's walk through them quick. To the Jew, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Paul's very, very simple in these statements. He says, listen, I will do what I need to do to offer the gospel to those who need to hear it. I will offer it to those who are antagonistic, and I will offer it to those who are open. Paul could not judge the heart of a person, but he said, if a person was living in the law, then I would honor the law to gather an opportunity to share with them. If they were outside of the law, then I would hold myself to God's standards in my life, but I would still offer them the gospel where they were. I will meet them. My friend Adam Scooty says it a lot, and I like his statement. I will meet them where they are if I expect them to follow Jesus. And Paul says, I choose to do this. I'd like to rephrase Paul just a little bit by giving us three challenges this morning from Paul's writings. The first one is this. Let's relinquish our rights for the sake of the gospel. And you have rights. Paul uses this Greek word seven times. Verse four, five, six. Twice in verse 12, verse 15, and verse 18. Paul uses it in this chapter. He said, I have rights. I have the right to have this. I have the right to have a wife. I have the right to have a job. I have a right to preach the gospel. I have these rights. But Paul said, I will give up some of my rights to do what's right. Boy, that's anti-American, isn't it? Because there's no bald eagle on his chest. He's saying, I'm going to just live in such a way. In fact, he actually will use the word, he becomes a slave. I will enslave myself to the gospel. It's that important. He used an illustration from his own life. But the key to it is, Paul does not say, I become all things to all men so that they will like me. Paul says, I become all things to all men that they might know Jesus for the sake of of the gospel, to disciple others and to be discipled together. Listen, I want to show you what you have the right to, so there's no misunderstanding in the room. You have a right to life, to friends, to family, to marriage, to safety, to security, to health and happiness. You do. You have a right to eat, drink, wear, read, study, listen to, and say whatever you want. You do. You have the right to organize your schedule, to spend your time, to choose your career, to make your money, use your money, take your vacation, plan your retirement. None of those things are wrong. In the end, you have the right to do what you want to do, go where you want to go, and live how you want to live. But you also have the right to say no to those things. The choices that enslave us 
will require the same kind of choices to free us. And so Paul says, I have chosen to do without some things I have the right to have. And when you realize it's your right and you say no to it, it becomes a whole different release, a whole different freedom. It is, there are so many flaws to my personality. And that's not blaming my personality. I am who I am. But one of the things that I struggle with, and I've struggled with since I was a kid, is being told I have to do anything. Friends would say, you have to see a movie. I have not seen it yet. Now, I'm not proud of that. It's not gotten me very far. So when I come in church, you have to understand, when your preacher stands on stage and says, you have the right to do this, but you also have the right not to, I hope you'll understand that in the grace of God, God wants from you your willfulness. He wants from you your willingness to say to him, I'm going to say no to this. I have the right to do this. I have the right to go here. I have the right to spend my money my way. But in fact, I'm not going to spend my money my way. I'm going to spend my money in this way so that others know the gospel. I'm going to make sure that students get to go to conferences. I'm going to make sure that missionaries have health care. I'm going to make sure that I can provide materials for those who don't have half of what I have. I want to make sure that people have food tonight on their tables, or if they don't have a table, they at least have something to eat that's good for them and not garbage that they can buy cheaply. I'm going to give up my right to be satisfied with all I am so that someone else can have what I know is more important. Does that make sense? Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might save some. So not only are we asked to relinquish our rights for the sake of the gospel. But the second thing Paul challenges me with is, let's rearrange our lives for the spread of the gospel. And this is where our busyness is applauded by society and damages us. In 1 Corinthians 9.19, Paul says, Though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. And in verse 22, he says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. So I've made these choices that I'm going to actually rearrange my life. I'm going to set aside the things. Now, Paul, Paul, it wasn't like Paul didn't ever have fun. It wasn't like Paul didn't ever have friendships. It wasn't like every day, 19 hours a day, he dragged himself around. No, no, Paul put himself in situations where he said no to some things to say yes to better things. And that's what we're being called to do here today. Is I know you're busy. And I know you have a lot of expectations on you. Can you rearrange them? Can you prioritize developing your soul and your life and your followership of Jesus? Will you choose today to do this? Because at the end, I'm going to show you opportunities that are right in front of you that may help you when you look, if, if I'll use that example again, if I look at the hole in my game, If I look at the weakness in my spiritual walk, there are people here and opportunities surrounding you to make yourself better, to follow Jesus more fully, to understand what that means. You see, we are free to serve God by serving the gospel. And we're free to say no to the things the world tells us we have to have. David Platt says, God's gracious conversion of us creates a gospel compulsion in us. When we understand the love to which God has loved us and the freedom that he has offered us, it will compel us to give ourselves to the slavery to the gospel rather than slavery to culture, slavery to busyness, slavery to trying to seek man's applause for how we spend our lives. Verse 23, Paul says, For the sake of the gospel, that we may share with them in the blessings. I want you to notice the tail end of that. Jesus is not a tyrant. God does not crush you and grind you in the ground 
He doesn't do that. His love is what compels us. His love is what drew us. And it's God's love that will redeem us. So this loving father who invites us to sit at the table, even though we've betrayed him, he invites us to sit there because he knows his love is greater than any reward the world offers. So will we take the time to sit at the table? Will we take the time to open our lives up? And I know I'm going to just be a little bit snarky here, but please understand why I'm saying it. For many of us, we have made as much time to be on Facebook or on Twitter or on other social devices. We spend all of this time making sure we know the current political headlines. We know what our stocks are doing every day. We make time for those things. And you have the right to make time for those. You also have the right to make time for God. Because the stock market, Twitter, and Facebook aren't making your souls better. That's a safe bet. They're not allowing you to draw closer to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with those things in balance of having the time to rearrange our lives so that God doesn't get the last five minutes as we fall asleep on our pillow. Or a 30-second mumbled prayer at a restaurant right over a plate of food. I think what we want is to draw closer to God. So when I ask you, are you a follower of God, will you rearrange your schedule? Will you rearrange your life to make that priority real? And lastly, if I can put in my own words here what Paul's telling me, finish what you started. It matters more than you know. Finish what you started. Now, Paul's going to use, if I use sports analogies, and you look at me sometimes going, I don't get those, Mark. Well, this one, I don't get either. Let's read it, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets to prize? (laughs) I'm assuming that's true. Run in such a way as to get to prize. Everyone who competes in the games does go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul uses a running analogy and he says, those that train for the race, they train every day. But how many people training every day for a 26-mile marathon? How many people who would train every day, running their cycles, building their time, building their bodies up, building their lung capacity, and training for that, how many of those people forget the day of the race? Well, none. How many Olympic athletes trained for Rio, were invited to go to Rio, and decided when it came time to get on the plane, nah, I got plans? Absolutely not. When you say that this is your ultimate goal, to run in that race and to compete, then Paul says, if we know in our nature how to strive for things we want, then we know how to strive for God. And this is not a message about just try harder. Remember what we talk about regularly here. This is not about trying harder. This is about understanding that what Jesus has offered us, where he even says, I mean, you can read it between the lines, you and I aren't going to win the race. We've only been asked to finish it. Jesus won the race. The crown awaits for us at the end, but you have to finish. And for some of us, we got tired and we're bent over and we're wheezing and we're like, ooh, that was hard. And for others of us, we went up and sat in the stands and we're now decided, I'm never going to make it, but I'm going to cheer those guys on. Paul says, no, finish what you started. It matters more than you know. You, You have to reprioritize. You have to rearrange. Then you have to finish. 
You have to strive for these. So if you find yourself, you stepped out of the race, get back in it. That's the beauty of grace. Step back in the race. You don't even have to be fast. You have to be faithful. You just have to pursue it. Because people don't train for a race and then not run it. And Paul is challenging us here. He relinquished his rights, he rearranged his life, and he finished what he started. And he said, I will have fought the good fight, I will have finished the race, I will have run the course. And there awaits for those of us who finished the race, there awaits for us a crown. And it won't say first place, Jesus will wear that one. It's going to say finisher. Now, if I ever ran a 26-mile race, and I don't know why I ever would, but if I ever did, on my casket, I would expect it to say... The last thing he did was fun. You see, finishing it is what this is all about. And we've all known, don't we? We've all known people who started this race of following Jesus. And somewhere along the way, they just faded away. They just quit. And the challenge for us today is if the early church was led by the Holy Spirit to become the kind of church we talked about last week, and I don't mean organization, I mean a group of people, a natural predisposition of the people, And how are we, second question, how are we going to do that? So when you look at your life, I want you to understand what Christ's church, if this is your church home, if this is where you're investing and being invested in, then I want to tell you what the leadership of this church has defined our duty is. And here it is, to prepare God's people to discover completeness in Jesus. That's why we exist, to invite people into his kingdom but primarily to prepare God's people to find completeness in Jesus. And what does that completeness look like? Well, we we have three expressions of that. And what I want to do this morning as we conclude is I want to show those of you who say, well, maybe it's embracing the gospel. Maybe I don't know enough about the word of God and I want to know more about the word of God so that I can follow it and I can know Jesus better. Maybe that's the hole in your game. Or maybe you, you just don't have an expression of your faith. There's no way you're serving and you're trying to figure out how am I supposed to serve? I don't know what I can do. How can I become engaged in helping the gospel go forward? Well, maybe that's a hole in your game. Or maybe at the end, it's like, I've tried to live my Christianity by myself, and it's hard, and I'm not good at that. Well, maybe experiencing life together with people is the hole in your game. So what I want to do is share with you that if our job is to prepare people to find completeness in Jesus, I want to show you some of the resources that are available to you. And I don't want this to be an infomercial. I want this to be a hospital. I want it to be a clinic. I want those of you who want to become better at this pursuit of Jesus to know there are people and opportunities to help you. So let's discuss that. Let's talk about embracing the gospel, a greater truth. Last week we talked about it being a learning, responding people. So what do we do with this? How do I get to know the word of God more? Now listen, I'll be honest with you. I always want to be clear about this. If you just sit down and crack open the Bible, there are passages of scriptures that will light you up. And there'll be other passages of scripture that will be met with the spiritual answer. Huh? Some of the Bible is hard to understand. Don't jump into Ezekiel and start there. You won't make it 30 seconds. But when someone sits down with you and explains to you what Ezekiel was writing about, and we learn from the past scholarship of what's there, then all of a sudden there's something for you and I. So Sunday mornings... One of our goals on Sunday mornings is to preach through the words of God and share it with people in a practical way that they understand how to live it out. But here's a concern of mine. I'll just speak directly. For many of us, if you're not here on Sunday morning and you come once or twice a month when you can, 
then there's no way you're going to get enough of the word of God in you to be able to guide your life. And so you have to rearrange. You have to reprioritize. And there's ways by which I don't mean being physically present. Some of you work and you travel and you can't be here on weekends. I know a lot of people that have to catch that flight out of Joplin on Sunday morning to do their jobs. I understand that's a reality to them. But there are podcasts and there are means by which you don't have to be in this building to receive the truth. Now, there is something about being in a room when someone's teaching that's better than listening to it on a tape with all the distractions in your other parts of your world. But there is an openness. There is an availability to the word of God that you can have. Come talk to us and say, I can't be here every Sunday. Connect me to this. And there's Wednesday nights and the class is offered on Wednesday nights with a myriad of opportunities for you to know the word of God more and understand God's will for your life. It's rearranging your lives. I know you're busy on Wednesdays. We all are. But what's the most important thing you can be investing your life in? There's men's and women's encounters. Right now, there's over 130 women involved in our women's encounter this weekend at a church camp. And they're being addressed with the gospel message and what the gospel means and how to embrace that. And there's follow-ups to that. There's weekly huddles and there's school of discipleship and there's post-encounter and there's opportunities. And you say, I don't know if I have that much time. I know, carve out the time you can and you'll find out that the more your hunger is satiated with the word of God, the more time you'll find. But you have to open yourself to that. What about embodying the fullness of Christ? Maybe you, you know the truth of the gospel, but there's an emptiness in you right now. It's not going anywhere. We call this a greater fulfillment. Or as you can see, we want to be a committed, inviting people. That we want to live this out together. That we want to experience what Jesus is doing. I don't want to hear testimonies myself. I, I don't want to just hear the testimonies of people who are impacted by Jesus. I want to be impacted by Jesus. And so we're creating opportunities for you. There'll be missions trips. There's a missions trip going this December to Taiwan to visit some of our partners. A group just came back from Barbados at the end of August into the first part of September and served. And they did two VBSs, not like two days of VBS. They did two VBS activities every day to, to win some students and to share some faith. A few weeks ago, you saw pictures on our screen of baptisms in Barbados, all a part of what their investment was. The group is going to DR over spring break and registrations are going now for our high school students and some adults that want to go. That's a fantastic environment to go experience how the church is exploding and how our serving and loving and just participating makes a difference. For some of us, we need to get out of this room and experience what God's doing throughout the world. There'll be a trip uh, coming up to Matamoros, Mexico to go down and visit one of our missionaries and partner in their ministry and just go down and encourage and serve. There's opportunities for this. If you're sitting here going, what, how do I find out more about this? And at the end of our service, go to our, our welcome center, fill out a card for information saying, I'd like to talk to somebody about how to get connected in this area. And we will sit down with you at your convenience and help you figure out how to take advantage of what's in front of you as we live this out. I can go on over and over. I've got so many things I want to share with you that I'm excited about. Jasper County Diversion Court is a new opportunity for Christians in this community to sit down with students in juvenile system and spend once a week to be a positive adult influence in their life, to try to get them to understand that there's more to life than just taking advantage of whatever situation you're in right now. And that's going to be coming, and more information will be coming to our church. Wouldn't it be awesome if God's people stepped into young, broken lives and offered them hope? There's foster care night. This Friday night, 
Uh, Maggie Shade in our impact ministry does an amazing thing. They invite foster care parents. Now, we have a lot of foster care parents in here, but if you don't understand, as a foster care parent, the state basically says these students can't be left alone or left with certain people. They have to be with them quite a bit of time. Well, what we can provide is a safe environment where foster care parents can drop their students off Here on a Friday night, we'll have activities and events for them and give them three or four hours of just being with one another, enjoying each other's company, while the parents can go out and imagine this, have a quiet dinner together, go home and clean their house, praise the Lord, take a nap, one of the most anointed things you can do. And you know what we can do? We can be the people that show up here and volunteer on a Friday night to be with these young people, to encourage them, to play with them, to have a nice time with them, and bless their families. If you want to volunteer for that, we need volunteers for this Friday night. There are so many other opportunities. Service opportunities, Christmas impact. We're going to make a difference in our community, and we're going to tie it to our Advent services this December. So those four Sunday nights that we meet here and have an Advent service, you and your family can come in a half hour to an hour before our Advent service, and there'll be a way by which, as a family, you can serve our community. And there'll be, it might be packaging food, it might be sorting through some things that have been gifted. There'll be an opportunity for us to serve. Well, we can serve with life choices or with orphan care. We can serve with watered gardens. Our local schools are, using, are looking for tutors and for reading buddies and lunch buddies. So if you have a, an hour during the day, you can call one of our elementary schools in CJ or Carthage or, or Webb, and you can call and we'll get you a range that you can go over. If you like to read or can read, you can show up in a class. And everybody says, well, when is it? Most teachers will take you when you can be there because they have some students who don't have parents that sit down and read with them. And you say, what does that have to do with the church? Everything. If we love the students in our community in the name of Christ, do you believe God's going to bring an inroads into them? I do. So to embody this, to experience this, to enjoy this, the service opportunities are over. Every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning, we're looking for volunteers that while you're here will help serve. It might be rocking babies in the nursery. They're always struggling this hour to, to make sure we have people that can serve because people get sick and they go away on weekends. And so you might come in here on a Sunday morning and say, you know, this place has just always got it figured out. Oh my goodness, no, we're making it up on the fly. Come help us make it up. So you might say, yeah, I'll come one service and worship one service here. I would do that. Go to the Welcome Center. We need people who say, how can I be useful? And then the last one is experiencing the kingdom. And this is where I'm going to continue to challenge. This is a greater life together, a relational loving people. One of the challenges in America is to get American Christians to understand that this is not a soul journey you're on. You're not all by yourself. That community is what God created us for. So we have things like life groups, groups that meet together once a week or maybe twice a month or once a month and they gather together and they study and pray for each other and they serve one another and they get to know each other and there's great opportunities. There's community events. You see the card uh, that was on your chair when you came in this morning. We're going to have a church party because we have people that come here at 8 that don't know anybody who comes here at 1045. And we have all of you that come at 915 who don't know anybody in the other two services. And you're thinking, I don't need any more friends. Yeah, but you need to know community. So we're just going to have a church party. We're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs and jumpy things. And I'm told we're going to have jumpy things for adults. Can't wait for that. And so we're hoping it's jousting because there'll be some real good fights and that'll be a lot of fun in community, right? But we're going to have some fun events and it's just going to be a relaxed night. You bring your own lawn chair if you want to sit down. And we're going to gather in little groups and there's going to be nothing organized except just spending time together. And I know we're busy, 
but the things and choices we've made are the same choices we can remake every single day. There are serious groups that are necessary. Moms Connection on Tuesday morning for stay-at-home moms to bring their, their children here to the building and we have child care and they get together and have a fellowship on Tuesday mornings and I'm told it's rich. We have groups that meet needs like grief share and divorce recovery, redemption recovery and healing hearts, just to name a few. See, church, what I want to tell you is if we stand up here and say, this is what the church ought to be, then the church ought to help us be that, shouldn't they? So what's the hole in your game? Is it to know the Word of God more? Is it to experience what the Word of God means? Or is it to be in fellowship, to walk with other believers as followers of Jesus? Because as a church, we want to serve you. And here are areas you can be served. Areas that you're going to have to recommit to. Areas you're going to have to rearrange your life. Areas where you are going to open yourself up to say, you know what, I started following Jesus. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish. Because at the end of that, we're going to hear these words from Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.